Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, everybody. Sorry for my tardiness. My tardiness. Let me see. Get my special guest in here. Hey, Paige. I said I was going to say hi. Hey. <laughs> It's crazy. Oh my god, Paige. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I was not ready, Paige. I was not ready, Paige. She said, Where is Daddy? She is crazy. <laughs> I needed that. I needed that laugh. What's up, Dan? What's going on? What's up, bro? How you doing? Good. Good yourself. My friend Paige is like in the comments. Like she has her own podcast. Like, yeah, she has <laughs> a lot of challenges on her. She loves you. <laughs> you, know, you see the comments. Yeah, I know Paige. She said, "Where's Daddy?" <laughs> oh, I know Paige. Yeah. Mm. How, how's your day, bro? It's uh, kind of just starting. No. It's, I don't know. This is a weird day for me. I work all, I go all night until about seven and then I come back and I sleep for like a couple hours and then, uh, I try to just go about the rest of my day and then go to sleep tonight at like 10 and restart tomorrow on a normal. So yeah, so far my day is consisted of like maybe a couple hours, eight o'clock going to sleep, waking up yeah. and then, uh, meeting with you and then, then it'll start again yeah. for the rest of the day. Yeah, I had to work. I, that whole time going forward messed me up this morning. Um, I was so tired at work. Um, it made my uh, it made my day go faster. Well, part of my day go faster. I was uh, yeah, right when it went two, it went to three, and uh, I just was watching everybody because I I was on Sunset Boulevard and I just saw everybody coming in from the clubs. Okay. And it's like it's it went from two to three o'clock. So like they were all up until like five or six in the morning and they had no idea. And it's like we do this every year. <laughs> like this isn't a new thing, but like everybody, every time the time change happens, everybody's just like completely messed up by it. Which I would I would be too. Like if I wasn't doing something and I had to wake up this morning, I would be probably more tired, and then I would blame it on that. I'd be like, "Oh, yeah, time change." But if you're if you're getting paid to go somewhere and you get like you get to leave an hour early, it may, it feels pretty good. You're not you're not as mad about that time change. Two o'clock, three o'clock, done. Mm -hmm. Done, man. But yeah, um, thank you for agreeing to do this. You know, I know we were supposed to do it last week, but like I was just like so busy and just so. Uh, but I'm glad that we're doing this. Um, 
like when I people come on this um show, my Instagram live show, my first question I love to ask, but I'm gonna answer it myself too, since it's just me and you. Um, the question is, how is your mental health? Um, I'll answer it first. My mental health has been up and down. You know, I suffer from borderline personality disorder and anxiety, so my BPD has been up and down a lot this weekend. Look, I'm taking my medicine, not taking it, but um, it's been up and down. So hopefully, I'm hoping to have a better week next week. You know. Try to promote my book more. Try to, you know, reach out to people more. Just go to some. Um, I work. I do like volunteer work at um, NAMI. It's a um, mental health organization, and um, I'm a group. I'm a certified group facilitator. So I plan to try to go on some groups this week and get some support and therapy. But how's your mental health? Uh listen. It probably could be way better, but me, how I feel is uh. It's pretty good. You know, I haven't, my stuff is, uh, all my issues are trauma based for the most part. So, you know, I'm almost 40 and I'm, I've been dealing with the stuff that I was dealing with probably for the last almost 20 years. So at this point I've gotten a pretty good, uh, pretty good handle, at least of knowing here's, here's the deal. If it is bad, I'm great at faking it. Yeah. So much so that I've, you know, I fooled myself, but, um, I'm a big, like, man, I, I know what needs to be done with me and I do it. And at this point in my life, the stuff that does come up is, it's kind of, it's almost like a cycle. So I know what's coming. So it's like, I've gotten to the point now where even if it is challenging, I have just kind of routinely been able to. Go through it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. My mind is like, you have BPD. Um, I have to ask, why are you taking your medicine, not taking your medicine, man? So, my thing is like, so I went from working from home, whereas though I got to be to work at eight o'clock in the morning and um, I work inside the post office. So, I switched jobs. I switched jobs inside the post office because like working from home was the worst for me mentally. I was at my lowest, you know, I was suicidal. Like, my friend had to call the cops to my house. Well, he called crisis, but the cops came to my house. It was just so bad just sitting in this damn room, just, like, uh, like, being stressed out and everything. A lot of people don't know, like, it was times I tried to kill myself in this very room and stuff like that. So, um, I didn't take it because, like, I'm like this, like, all right, that medicine I take, it makes me really, really drowsy. So I'm like, it's nine o'clock. I got to be up at four o'clock in the morning. Well, I got to be at work at four o'clock. I wake up like two something. And I'm afraid that if I take it, I'm going to be drowsy driving to work 35 minutes away. And I don't want to be driving like that and stuff like that. There's no train to get there. I just got to drive. So I got to do a better time management and drink, taking it. I'm starting the next week. I'm going to do a better time management and take it. Everything. You know, I'll be so busy doing facilitating groups. I was supposed to facilitate one Monday. I got one of my friends to do it for me. So that way I could just start a brand new medicine. And, you know, because I took it during my groups. <laughs> and I was, like, not on video or Zoom, but I was, like, drowsy. That medicine, I think because if I don't take it in a couple of days, it makes me drowsy. Yeah. No, I mean, like, that's – I can put – hey, I'm always going to tell you the one thing. Like, with me, and I'll give you the same lecture that everyone always gives. You know, they're like, you got to take it, man. You got to be consistent. <laughs> uh, when I used to take – so – when I first got diagnosed with like PTSD, which is, they gave me stuff, man, it was, it was a ride. Okay. So for some reason, the VA gave me trazodone and Seroquel. So when you were, and this is like, sometimes don't, um, 
people they don't realize i don't know how to explain this man i think they had the best intentions but if some people depending on what their condition is it is different it isn't a one-size-fits-all yeah. So Sarah Quill actually made me, or Trazo made me like drowsy. My first set of like, they were they put me on like SSRIs, yeah. made me drowsy. And then the Sarah Quill made me more symptomatic than I ever was, man. Like I've never been the guy that has the flashbacks in the middle of the day, yeah. but I was having them. And like a friend of mine who actually went on to, he is a, a clinical mental health counselor. He's a PhD yeah. now. He was young at this time. Right. So he's he's a, he's a high school kid yeah. and we we're all working at the same place and just watched this. Yeah. And so it's like need to go back like on a, on mine and Abrams podcast. We had him on and it was like we went back. And, to me, it was like such a traumatizing couple days. Yeah. I think you're freezing. Yeah. I don't know if you can hear me, but you're, um, you're buffering and freezing. With for Dan to come back, I just want to let everybody know just to take your medicines if you're on medicine, it's good. Get to therapy, take your medicine, it's good for you. Um, we're gonna wait for Dan to come back. Um, mental health, you know, make sure you take your medicine that's good for you. Um, sometimes I forget, sometimes I don't, you know, I'm not perfect. You know, I released a book and everything. I hope you guys can purchase it, you know, it's on Amazon from Trauma to Triumph. Atalik Isaiah Monroe. I hope you guys can buy it. I'm going to get Dan back on here. I'm going to finish the conversation. My bro, what's good? Are you there? Can you hear yeah, me? Here. I can't see you though. Isn't it? For some reason, my like app said, we're going to update now. Of all <laughs> the times that I've ever... Oh, it's wow. like, we'll do it now. Uh, so hopefully, man, I think this, I, I hope this, there you go. I see you now. Yeah. All right. So yeah, so, long story short, man, I went through the, I went through the, the, the fun of trying to find the right mix for me. And like, it is, it's, I, I sympathize completely with, there was times where I was taking stuff where I was like, literally like my head is just like, like, it looked yeah. like I was on heroin or something, man. Oh, and then people like, are you all right? Sarah you feel. Sarah Kellen yeah. feel like that. Like a, I, like I was on dope or something. I'm just like at the edge of my bed, just like this. I'm like, nah, I, I hate, especially with if I don't take it in a couple of days, it gets me like that. But if I take it, I'm taking it straight, straight, straight. The first day I took it, I had to do a podcast interview and I was like yeah. out of it. But they said I did good. They said I was good on the interview. But I was, <laughs> man, I didn't know it was going to do that. I didn't know it was going to do that at all. Did not know. But Isn't that the funny part? Like the of things that you learn how to do when you're on medical, like it's normal for, for people that are like that have to take medication, yeah. but not but the fact that you just go, I did a podcast interview and like, I don't know, man, they said I did good. It's like, I, you're there. Yeah. But sometimes you're, it was hard I, for me to stay like, for, like I, didn't, I think the same thing I got is a small pill. I didn't think it, that little pill would just knock me out like that. Like I did not think that cause they hadn't taken some pills before, but I didn't like the side effects. So I was like, we got switch medicines. I did not like the side effects. But, mm -hmm. um, well, that's that's cool, man. It's it's I I'm glad that you're, because sometimes people get discouraged, yeah. Like and they don't want and they fight it, and it's like yeah. the symptom. Like life is much easier managed, unfortunately, with less symptoms. But then there's that, 
And there's a lot of like, I've been reading a lot about the studies that they're doing on improving these medications. And there's, there's routes they're going. It's just, I think we're kind of sitting in that, uh, that area where we're, where we're trying things. And then it's, it, 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 sometimes it works, man. Sometimes it's not, but you've got to keep your head in the game, keep doing it. So I'm glad that you're like, yeah, man, I'm next time, next week. I'm good. I'm glad you're there. You know what I mean? At least it's not like no more. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking this stuff. I'm not falling asleep while I'm doing podcasts. It's not. Maybe sometimes that'll be the best podcast you ever do, man. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so I let's get into these questions. You know, um, um, we know that you were in the Marine Corps. You know, um, mm -hmm. let's talk. Let's talk. Get into about get into that. You know, did, and being a Marine, I always want to ask somebody that's in the Marine. Like, is it okay not to be okay while being in the Marines? Okay, what do you mean? Like. Um, like are you kind of like with the stigma with men? You know, you know, are you allowed to be depressed? Are you allowed to feel sad? Are you allowed to say, I'm not having a good day? I'm just need to lay down, you know? Like, how is that, you know? So, I'm going to be really honest with you on this. The Marine Corps as an institution yeah. is okay with it. Okay. The problem is, is that when they're training you, you become so like you're in these elements that are that are very hard to negotiate. Yeah. So you kind of got to like really suck it up within and you stop. It's weird because you become more about the group. Yeah. So when you're suffering, sometimes you don't want to bother them. Yeah. But there are definitely instances. And I can say this, that in my experience is when one of our guys, because suicide is very high, yeah. very, very high there. And they don't want that to, to, to continue. They really don't. And just an example, my own personal, when I was starting to go through my stuff, I didn't want to tell anybody. Yeah. And it was starting to take a bad effect, man. And people could see it, you know, we did. And, and I think they were looking out more because when we had all gotten back from Iraq, they were kind of looking at us like, is everybody. And the funny thing is, is they tell you when you're leaving, like, Hey guys, here's some of the things you're going to start going through. Yeah. And you're laughing. Cause you're like, how can you predict what I'm going to do? And then you start going through it. And they're encouraging you the whole time. Even we had Vietnam vets coming in going, guys, go talk to somebody. Yeah. Go start. And it's this, like, I don't know. I think you're like, so there's times that you had to get yourself through something and you just become kind of, you almost isolate yourself. But my platoon sergeant at the time, and I tell this story, knew something was wrong. And he came and started talking to me and he basically told me, hey, um, and he's like the, you know, the guy that everyone's kind of looking to. And he goes, hey, I know something's going on. And it was going on with me too. Yeah. And this is what's going on. And he's the one who actually got me on uh, SSRIs. He started getting me, you know, he, cause I didn't want to, and I was drinking, I was doing everything bad. And he, he saw how I was and what I was becoming yeah. and really pushed for that. So it's, it's, uh, they do encourage it. They do yeah. encourage it. But sometimes when you got to understand wh where it's the offset is your job is okay, guys, get up. Go sit in the middle of this field and train for, you know, two days with lack of sleep. Yeah. Um, you're very, it's, and you're taught that it's everyone else is more important than you. So that sometimes can, you can almost do wrong to yourself. So no, uh, the Marine Corps is a brotherhood. And if we think one of our guys is suicidal or possibly not acting right, I know in my experience, we would, we were very alert on that. There's times I had a conversation with one of my guys yeah. and he just didn't sound right. 
and I called our superiors and we all, they, they would meet up with them, have them come play pool. You know, and they were very on it. So I don't, I can't speak for anybody else, but I do want to, I don't like a lot of people think that that's how it is. Like that they're not okay with, they are. It's, you become like a brotherhood. You do care. It's sometimes you're not the best at expressing yourself and they're not, but there's, you know, you can see your guys being very scared for you and wanting to help you. But sometimes the one thing in the Marines, they don't teach you. is like, sometimes the best interaction, like we cuss for no reason. So sometimes you're, you're helping and you sound like you're attacking. You know, it's like I said, going, hey, man, what's going on? And we're like, what the fuck is wrong with But we, this means the same thing. Tell me what's wrong. <laughs> Come here. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy because, like, I'll, I'll be on Club. I don't know. You probably heard of Clubhouse. I'll be on Clubhouse. And this is, um, um, like, I put this Clubhouse as a resource. It's about a book. It's called Bendable. But they have a men's testimony every Monday and Thursday, different times across the world. We people from UK, United States, everywhere. And um, this guy, he's in an arm. He's, I guess he's a, like, sergeant or something. He was saying, like, he gets like a lot of people commit suicide. That's why I asked you about the mental health thing. He said a lot of people go home, commit suicide and everything. It's just like so sad and stuff like that. He encouraged them to get help and everything. He encouraged them to just like seek help after you know you come from war or not, whatever. Just get help and everything. And I want to ask you that question. Thank you. It's a uh, 20, I think 22 a day is what they're saying. Like the, the 22. And um, a buddy of mine has. Uh, a group called FOB Razor, right? And he was he was my gunnery sergeant when I was in the Marine Corps. And here's another weird example. This guy is literally in his at the same time. We're we're, we're talking to each other. We're we're and he's like my gunnery sergeant, and I'm like the you know being the Marine. The same time we were both suicidal. He was oh, at home drinking, putting a shotgun to his mouth, like inside. But yeah. we didn't feel like we could tell each other. Yeah. And basically what fob razor is is just this place that he set up almost like a it's like a like a little clubhouse or something like that where yeah. everyone can go and if you're just feeling something you're there with people that are going through similar things um because that's a big thing with vets too is that vets feel like if they tell you their problems they're gonna scare the shit out of you like you know because some of the stuff that they're saying some of the stuff that they may have done or seen they don't want to put that on other people that image yeah. And that's where it's scary for them. So if they find another vet who they know may have, they could just, there's times, man, I was with a buddy of mine's dad who had been in Vietnam and we were sitting there, hadn't known each other for 15 minutes. And he starts telling me things like kind of just casually that are very, you know, from the outsider's perspective, yeah. like I shocking. My friend was like my dad and my friend at the time was 40 years old. He goes, I've never heard my dad talk about that ever in, in my life. And it was like the fact that he's seen me was like, he needed to get that off his chest. And so that's yeah, good. Though. That's good. That's good that he got it. Because it takes a lot a of certain people, it takes them a long time to open up. But that's good that, you know, woo, you know, it takes me, take me a long time. So, you know, you, we talked about the Marines and everything. Let's talk about some people, how you got on um, MTV, you know, like, and what was uh -huh. that experience like? Was it like, I asked all the MTV challenges, is it like, what was your mental health before and after you got on the show? So this is, is a good question yeah. uh, because this might shock people, okay? So remember when I was telling you and I was going through something really bad yeah. and they caught me? This yeah. is right before road rules. This is right before I went on. Oh. So before I was selected for road rules, I was literally at one, I was drinking myself almost to death. I had a Colt, uh, 357 Colt Python nickel-plated revolver. I still had it. My dad has it. Uh, beautiful. I would load it with hollow points and literally put it in my mouth and try to see how far I could squeeze the trigger. That's how bad things were getting because 
I did not know what was going on. I felt like an outsider um, in my own body. And instead of just doing the smart thing and going to talk to people, which is perfectly fine, which is what you should do, I was fighting it. And to everyone else, I seemed fine, maybe a little wild, but fine. Um, when I was, I was living in a house with a buddy of mine and his fiance at the time, and she watched the challenges all the time. And so at my, in my life, I watched him as a kid. Like I remember Mark Long, that's I'll age yeah. myself. <laughs> I'm talking about like mine was the Mark Long, the real worlds I watched was like New York, San Francisco, LA, like that's what I, and then I stopped for a while yeah. and I had girlfriends and that that would watch it, friends that would watch it. And she would watch, my, my friend's fiance would watch it every night. And I would just sit there and I'd make fun of her. And I'd be like, these guys <laughs> just get wasted and try to fight each other. I'm like, that's what I do on Friday nights. Like, I could be on this show. Yeah. I said, listen, I remember, like, Becky, I, I have like a new girl that comes home with me every night. She's usually as dysfunctional as I am. And like, this is, I could do yeah. this. And so the joke was, why don't you send a tape in? And I said, fine, give it to me. I'll do it. You know, is it? And, uh, we did. And at this time I was going through something and I always say this, man, it was almost like a sign because we sent it a tape like four months later, I got a call from an 818 number. Uh, and I'm, I'm from St. Louis at the time. So we're, we're, you know, I'm, I'm living there. I didn't know what the number was. They were telling me, Hey, we're from the real world. We want to, and I kept thinking it was a joke. I really did up until like they kept, they would call back and there's all these stages. And then finally I was yeah. like, Oh shit, this is real. And, uh, I just kept waiting the whole time to be like, to get that email to be like, yeah, we'll no longer go any further with you, but thank you. So in my mind, it was like, just the story of going through this gave me some hope. Yeah. Did that sounds strange. Like it gave me something to look forward to. So it, it kind of helped me temporarily. Yeah. Um, then I went, I got on the show. Yeah. And, and I want to, I want to first say this before anything else that I say, because I want to answer your question spe specifically, yeah. honestly, but I also want to say that, that experience is was such a blessing and it was so wonderful and i met some awesome people and it was a unique unique and i i don't i don't have any ill will towards the show i was yeah. not in a mental like mental place where i need to be yeah. um it saved me so my first season i actually was okay but there were some signs like let's put mtv took care of me because when i got on there was some things like abram will even tell you when i first met abram who we're buddies now yeah. We were on this, like, this launch special. And I went from being really happy. And I don't know what he said. He said something that just, and I, the the, the minute I got on, if, if you can find it, I look pissed. And I just go from happy to just mad. And then I, like, immediately start just jawjacking. Like, I was mad at him because I forgot what it was. But to watch my mood kind of switch, like, that quickly kind of showed where I was at. But, um. Long story short, got on the show, and uh, they hit a lot of stuff, but there's definitely a lot of bad things that I did. Um, definitely showing my – I had a friend die literally the day oh, wow. that I was supposed to start. So he was a Marine in my unit. He got hit by uh, an IED and was killed the morning I was going to get on the uh, RV. And I'm sitting there wrestling with, should I go home? Should I take this unique opportunity? What do I do? And uh, my, I remember my staff started, was like, hey, stay there. There's nothing you can do for him yeah. or his family. And so I did. But then even as the show went on, I felt guilty for being able to have all these fun experiences while he's dead. And it's yeah. like, it's, it's so it was, it is, as soon as things looked up, something kind of kicked me. I don't mean to make it about me. I'm sure his family and him would be way worse, but it got kind of worse. And then, I mean, anyone who saw the Island could see by the time I got on that show, 
I was at an all-time low. And I mean, I think when I got on the island, I was really walking around the island looking for ways to hang myself and that. So it was not as great as things were, man. I was yeah. really, really suffering at that time. And yeah. so it's not a great environment to like to, to facilitate somebody who is not doing well mentally. It, it'll make it worse. And um, the hope of getting on it kept made me happy. Yeah. Getting on it reinforced some negative behavior. Yeah. And it took me a while. It almost killed me. I mean, That's when I left the island, I was uh, uh, apprehended in a Miami airport yeah. uh, for that. having just a complete breakdown and acting. I, I made him let me off the plane. I made him like, I mean, it was, I remember like Kellyanne sitting there looking at me going, hey, Dan, just sit down. And I was like, I need to get off this fucking plane right now. Oh, wow. And she was just like, why? And I remember like Dunbar sitting there and they're just like, what is he? And I'm like, if you don't even understand at this moment, if I don't get off this plane, I'm going to run and bust through that door. Like it's, I can't be on this plane. And when they're asking me why, I was like, I don't know. I can't tell you. So yeah. long story short, man, I wound up having a breakdown. got got uh, put uh, arrested, arrested technically. They didn't like tackle me or anything. Um, put on a 96 hour, do not travel hold, put into a mental oh, facility wow. in Miami, transferred to the VA. That's when I received my official diagnosis. And uh, I was in a room. They put me in a hotel room to wait for my dad to come get me. And I was literally barricading the door because I swore people were coming in. Um, yeah. I was supposed to go to Bridgeport. And my sergeant, same one we're talking about, yeah. I called him. Because he's like, hey, man, we got to leave. Like, you were, you were allowed to leave for this amount of time, but, like, you need to come back. Yeah. And we ran into each other years later. And he's telling me, he goes, dude, you're talking about people coming through the walls. You were having, and that's when I called, you know, we called everyone's like, yeah. and they didn't say anything to the platoon or anything, but they were like, he can't come with us because even if I would have gotten back, it was high altitude training, yeah. which is going to be mentally taxing anyways. And yeah, I think I just went on and on about this, but basically long story short, I had a, my, a very turning point was I sank, I, I was good on road rules, started sinking by the end of um, the island. I was about as low as I could. I mean, in my, so far that I've ever been. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it, I wish I, I want to say that when I got back, it started getting better, but it didn't got way worse. I almost turned like agoraphobic. Like I didn't want to leave anywhere. I stayed in St. Louis. Like, so it was, it's like, I mean, was okay. It's, it's like he was okay on cutthroat and everything. It's like he was ready to party on cutthroat. I just, recently, cut, cut, so I just recently watched that season and <laughs> that season makes me mad, but I could recently watch that season. Um, yeah. I, yeah. That's the last season you did, right? Yeah, you couldn't tell that I was like literally a nervous wreck the whole time. It seemed like you was ready to party, you know. I was just saying, like, it didn't, I, I didn't tell. And I just so, that season recently. That season was like my way of seeing if I could go do a challenge without drinking or doing anything else and to prove yeah. I was okay. And kind of in my mind, it was like to redeem myself for all the stupid stuff I did on the island. Yeah. Uh, but when I got there, man, I was so paranoid about relapsing. Yeah. And doing something dumb that like I literally was like just not. I wasn't there, man. And that's why, like, my performance was, like, how it even was as together as it was is yeah. amazing. Uh, but even so, it's like, had I been in a better place, probably would have done much better. But, yeah, I was, I was nervous. The whole time, I'm like, dude, don't drink. Don't do this. Don't do that. And uh, yeah. dude, you're, sitting in a, you're, you're sitting in a situation, and that's what I kind of tell people. I'm like, where they encourage you to, A, be deceitful for money, manipulate, uh, 
encourage arguments. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of mentally unhealthy people. There is no distraction. There's no television. There's no nothing. So you're just sitting kind of yeah. in it. And you talk about feeling people's energy. So it wasn't where I needed to be, especially coming out of rehab, coming yeah. after being coming out of being facilitated twice yeah. within six months. You know, it's like, but it was something I needed to do. It's something that, that it forged me in fire. Like I haven't, you know, it's been 13 yeah. years and I've been, you know, completely clean. So it's like, that's good. It was that's good. Congratulations. It was good, but it was like, man, that was a test. So I told people, I was like, the challenge I was going through had nothing to do with like TJ and everything. I was like, literally like, all right, dude, don't fuck this up. Don't like, yeah. you know, but uh, it was fun. It was, it was fun, man. It's, and, and once again, my joke is Abram was there. Abram's been on every show that I've been on. And like, he usually gets there and leaves. That was the only time he like stayed. But it's like, that's why when people are like, how are you and Abram buddies? Because we are just kind of, I'm like, dude, because he's always been through every yeah. step of it. Abram's been there and Abram's always been one of those guys that's like, hey man, how you doing? And like, he'll talk to you. He doesn't, you know, I shouldn't say that. I was, I pretty much was friends with everybody, but yeah, he was definitely the one that you could sit and have a conversation with. And uh, I'd say like him and Kahada are definitely like, they'll take you in and just talk to you like you're on their back porch. Like even if you're sitting in a, you know, a horse race built for one person and 30 of you were trying to go through it. They just have a very cool accepting demeanor. And it's, uh, that's why I think I became really latched and cool with those guys. Uh, yeah. And I want to say, I know we talked about, I was going to put this out there. I know we talked about like suicide and stuff earlier. I would just say that anybody that's going through any struggles of suicide or any thoughts, suicide ideation, you call the suicide prevention hotline at 1-800-273- 8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. You can call, chat with them, go on their website. If you need support, any support groups, um, I volunteer for NAMI Bus County PA. We have support groups Monday through Friday, Monday through Sunday. We have an emotional support warm line that you can call into if you're feeling sad and lonely. And um, it's NAMIBucksPA.org. And the next question I'm going to go to, because Instagram going to be playing games. They'll be cutting it off slow. I mean, cutting it off on time. Um, that's not my trauma. You know, you said, I mean, if you want to, um, the tr my trauma, right, is basically, mm -hmm. as a child, I was molested by two of my cousins. Um, I didn't start dealing with it until I got 26. So I went back to church. Uh, went back to church, I realized I had issues with men. Never knew I had it. You know, never knew it was there. I was, you know, I, you know, had issues of men, stayed office, didn't trust them. So to this day, I struggle a little bit, not that much like I used to, but um, that's my trauma, you know. And I have other traumas, it's in my book, if you guys want to buy it, buy it. Um, but there's a lot of trauma that I've been through. And it's like men, we don't speak on trauma. And I know sometimes it may seem embarrassing or because of the stigma, but I feel like if more men did it, you know, it would be a better place for other men to just come out saying, hey, I've been doing this, I've been doing this. Because I spoke about my trauma and somebody in a group, it was in a group setting, and they was like, wow, you saying what you've been through being molested made me want to, he said in front of the group that he was molested too. So, you know, like, what's like, if you want to talk about your trauma, you can, if you don't, you know, it is what it is, you know? What, what, what no, you, absolutely. You, you hit it on that. All right, so, and I'm also going to school for uh, clinical mental health therapy in, oh. in emphasizing trauma. So, one thing that people need to realize, okay, and it's and we're odd. We we're not odd. We're not odd. I don't want to say that, but like yeah. in this society, you're right. There's a stigma in where people are not supposed to talk about things. And like, here's the thing with trauma: 
This is how your brain works, guys. Your brain takes in stimulus, it processes it, reacts, right? That's how it works. So if you're taking in trauma, it's not going anywhere. It's not going to disappear. It's going to start coming out in different ways. It's going to store somewhere, and it's going to basically activate a behavior that doesn't make any sense. Yes. So just to ignore it is it, – it's. I understand the whole, like, survive and keep going to the next moment, but it's really just not conducive. And, like, my dad, I always say this, and he don't remember saying this. This is the most brilliant thing I've ever heard him say. He was talking to me about, in, in his mind, keeping your feelings in, but in this case, not talking about trauma. Yeah. He said that's a lot like – this is vulgar, but I'm going to tell you guys. It's a lot like holding in a crap, yeah. okay? It's going to come out eventually. Just the more you hold on to it, and you don't deal with it, the more painful it'll be when it comes out. Yeah. So it really is, if you can't, now, sometimes it's easier said than done, like you said. Yeah. Sometimes you store it, you put it in the back, you don't worry about it. Yeah. But like when you said, one in five Americans, and this is according to the Centers of Disease Control, one in five people have been molested as a child. Yeah. One in five. Okay? So that is, unfortunately, yeah. uh, someone in my life, man, just to let you know, someone very close to me, at 40 something years old, just remembered they were molested when we were kids. Wow. And uh, it was someone that it's something to deal with. And I don't want to get too much yeah. into it just in case someone that I know is because it's, yeah. but this person just put that in and they literally never dealt with it. And it, they said like at one point they were at a wedding and someone told a story about when, when we were kids yeah. and it like, he, it, it like yeah. just knocked the wind out of it. And, it's, yeah. I, and I don't know if that was how it was with you. And it's like, let me tell you something. This person is one of the most badass people I've ever met. Yeah. This person has a good man's man job and all that stuff. And like, just to watch that, it can happen to anybody. Yeah. It's not victims. It has nothing to do with strength or, oh, yeah. how did you, if you're a kid, you're a kid. Like, yeah. you're not at fault. And we still have this strange where we don't want to like face that. I know it is. And it's, I think as a society, we're getting better with it. Um, Cause this is exactly the stuff like for mine and Abrams podcast. This was an admission we wanted to do. Yeah. was like, talk about stuff that men don't talk about. Right. Yeah. And this is, we don't, and we should men like I, 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 as a comedian, I had a joke about yeah. someone kept bitching about when women have casts take over men movies yeah. and how they hate it. Like Ghostbusters and that. And I said, but it would be equal. So if you took like power women cast and put men in it, the movies would be totally different. One of which being like the Joy Luck Club, where you have a bunch of like Chinese women that were like dealt with all this trauma. And then you watch how they like used each other, went on and then like overcame it. I said, if that was a bunch of dudes, they would have just had the trauma, not talked about it, married those women and ruined their lives because we just yeah. don't, we don't let it out. But with mine, with my trauma, it was like, so I went to Iraq. Uh, I, you keep waiting for something worse to happen. Yeah. And you're not understanding what you are going through. And you just kind of keep going. It's that survival mode. So things happen to me, like, you know, and I don't know specifically what it was. I don't know if it was just yeah. sitting there in, a, in an area where I was just surrounded by people that wanted to kill me and just like living like that. And sometimes having to spend nights literally in darkness you know, in, in emptiness, like just waiting yeah. and looking for stuff. I don't know, like, dude, we got hit by roadside bombs and our convoy yeah. coming up. Um, mortar attacks, which mortars and shelling are terrifying because you sit there and you just hear everything dropping. 
and you're just watching, but you, you, you don't know if the next one's going to be on your head. Uh, you're just kind of, it's uh, the weirdest. So what had happened was, and, and I'm telling you this, this is on top of probably not the best childhood. Um, I love my parents. I love my life. But like, there's definitely things that now when we look back, we're all like, yeah, probably shouldn't have saw that. Yeah. Um, so I, I was, as of this moment, and I say this, and I'm not kidding, guys, and I don't mean this to sound facetious at all or joking. Like, I don't know all of what may have happened to me. And I think there was something that even I've been hiding that I can't find out myself. And I want to try and do like EMDR therapy or something to try and yeah, find yeah. it. Even before I went to Iraq. Yeah. Um, I went through that and it just like, all of a sudden when I came home, man, I was just, I was paranoid to go places that I would normally go. Yeah. Um, if I was going to walk into a restaurant or a bar, I had to like call people and tell, have them tell me exactly where they were in the building. I had to walk right. Wow. Um, I just had these dreams. Like I, I, I went for at least 10 years, 10 to 12 years. Every night I had nightmares. Yeah. I could not sleep without a nightmare. And that kind of made the drinking worse because I was drinking to black out so that I wouldn't have to have the dreams. And then, yeah. cause like the next day, my dreams were so vivid that somehow they would screw me up the next day. Oh, wow. And I would have these like, traumatic reactions to like shit that isn't real. Like, yeah. So instead of like having dreams about stuff that happened to me, I would have dreams that didn't really happen to me, but they would me up yeah. as bad as things that I remembered. And I, and I had this smell and I was, I didn't do the right thing. I didn't go and talk about it. So my emotions, like I was always here and there. I mean, I was, God, I was a terrible person. I, I became like mentally abusive to, to like a couple of my ex-girlfriends because I was just, I couldn't get a grip of what was happening to me. Yeah. So I was trying to like control everything else around me. Yeah, and the worst thing that you can do I don't say the worst thing I, I don't mean to be like it's terrible to have trauma and to deal with your own it's yeah. terrible to, to put that on someone else too yeah. you know and that's like my that is true. that's true yeah that's where I walk that's away true. and I'm like geez there's anything I ever go back and tell people it's like I'm so sorry I didn't know what the hell was going on with me and I was I should have went and got help I should have did all this and I'm sorry that you had to be brought into that yeah Um. so that sucked but uh, yeah it's like it's it was dude, the, the, the panic attacks out of nowhere, the paranoia, the fluctuation in anger and, and, uh, and, and, and sadness. It was, I couldn't. And then we were talking about like the medication thing, right? So yeah. they put me on medication and I was getting on like SSRIs and they had like mood stabilizers and that for me because at first this diagnosis, I, and I tell everybody about this when I got, all right, here's this guy. I'll tell you this. You might like this, right? So it was right up the Island. Right. So I got, I'll just say that I did something scary enough that my ex-girlfriend at the time or my ex-girlfriend brought me to a facility and kind of had me committed yeah. um, out of fear that I was dangerous to, to other people yeah. and myself. Okay. We'll just, we'll just put that there. So they put me in that. So when you ever go into these, you go for like for like 96 hours, man, and you're just sitting in there and it's not a great place. Okay. Because everyone is going through stuff and they're just trying yeah. to keep you from hurting yourself or other people, but you're sitting kind of in the midst of mental illness. Yeah. Right. So I'm in there with people that are suffering from schizophrenia, probably like, you know, severe bipolar, you know, like just things that are causing them that, that are a constant symptomatic distress to them to where it's like, mine was kind of just like this deeply rooted thing. I'm not taken care of. Right. Yeah. Uh, once, once that's done, I have like a pretty good, it was great on giving me a spectrum of what everybody suffers through and how lucky I was even with the shit that was going on with me. Yeah. But, Long story short, man. So at the end of it, you got to go sit in front of like a panel of like 
uh, a doctors and students net to learn. And it was right after the island came out, right? So maybe I think the island had been out maybe for a month, two, two months. And it's two young students, like these two girls that are sitting inside. And I swear to God, they're looking at me and they're like looking at each other. And they're li- and they're not wanting to say anything, but yeah. it was like, and I'm like, holy shit, they know who I am. Yeah. And it just made it even more embarrassing that you're like, well, what you seen on fucking TV isn't an act. And you're like, that's is really what's going on with me. And like, but that's, um, that's kind of good that they saw that because like, um, like people think that y'all got it all together on TV. Y'all got all this money. Y'all just like y'all just the best. You know, that me. That was me. I saw you. I'm like, oh wow, he has mental problems just like me. You know, what I see on TV is you know not what it's supposed to be and everything. Because people think everybody that's on TV got it together, and everybody doesn't have it. Together, no, so. no. And I'm gonna tell you this. I'm around a lot of celebrities on a daily basis. Yeah, I've been. I've done the reality TV thing. They're not together. Guys, yeah. most of them are worse. They are, and, and I love a lot of people, yeah. but you're talking about celebrities that have severe narcissism. Yeah. They are, they don't have, they're not on earth like you and I are on earth. Yeah. Okay. You and I get up, we got to go to a job. You and I deal with people. You and I, they get up, get their fucking picture taken. They go, to, like everything they're in is not real. Yeah. And, the thing with like the reality shows, like nobody got casted on that thing because they're killing it with their mental health or like the way they behave, right? Um, I've seen people, and I'm not going to give names because it's not right. Yeah. But I've been in the presence of people while doing the challenges, and I'm fairly certain are sociopaths that like clinically diagnosed, like not yeah. kidding. And the narcissism, delusion, bipolar. Yeah. I'm not going to, once again, I'm not going to. I'm not gonna out anybody, but when I was on the island drinking my ass off, and everybody was like, "Oh, Dan's such a problem," the pharmaceutical bags that other people on that show had of what oh, wow. they were taking were insane. Like one person had lithium. I'm just gonna say that. All right, probably I don't want me to say it. No, I'm so, sorry. I'm at that page comment. I'm sorry. Page is crazy. Um, and I, I bet. Last time I seen Paige, she came out to see my show when she was in St. Louis for a Challenge Mania. Yeah. And she had just gotten off a plane. And she had, like, came right to the show, right? And, like, when you sit in a comedy venue and the lights are down and you're watching, you can be laughing. But I tell you, once the lights go back up, you're almost, like, like exhausted. And this girl, that yeah. girl, like, I, I used to see in her eyes, like, you know, the redness in her eyes. She's like, yeah. That's good to see you, but I gotta go back to the hotel room. <laughs> 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 do what you gotta do, girl. Like, I just... I get it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But like I said, guys, yeah, reality TV, they're not there because they're staples of mental health. Okay. Yeah. And I think that please do not. And that's why I tell people, like, when you hear celebrities give opinions on real world things, tell them to shut up. Like, they don't fucking know what they're talking about, guys. Like, they have, they, they will go off here in LA about the homeless situation and they all live in fucking gated properties. So they don't know. They don't see it. They don't like, it is sad. It is sad. But like, because they're like pretending to care, it's literally making the problem worse because it's right now we have people on these streets that are dealing with schizophrenia, uh, things that need medication. They need medication to be able to get rid of the symptoms so that they can function and negotiate their lives. Yeah. And that's a stigma on medication too. We're, we're kind of joking around about the struggles, Yeah. but 
a lot of people, uh, there's a stigma to it. Like, don't be on medication. Don't get on. It's like, guys, if you have a condition, which there's nothing to be ashamed of, that presents so many obstacles that it's hard for you to actually get to the root and deal with the core of it and to help. You need something to kind of like calm down all of the, what I like to call like superficial symptoms so you can get to the root and start really doing some work. And yeah, unfortunately, you know, if you do have, you know, uh, severe, you know, uh, 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 psychotic disorders or, or, or mood disorders, you may have to be on medication, but it's not the stigma of like, it's not, it's not what some people think it is. Right. And that's why I always like push people that like, first off, go get counseling, go get, you know, you don't, not everybody that walks into an office is going to get medicated. You know what I mean? It's like, if you just have like, you know, severe depression, clinical depression, stuff like that, there's probably a lot of stuff that you can do with psychotherapy that like can really help you and get yeah. you through. And you may not need to. And if you do have to, it's okay. It's okay. okay. You're going to do In 1973 was the advent of, of, of psychopharmacology, right? The beginning yeah. of, of, of Floexin or, um, and when they brought it in or Prozac. Yeah, it took inst- institutionalizations in America from five hundred thousand to one hundred thousand. So it dropped oh, wow. off four hundred thousand institutionalized people, like that, were able to now stay and stay and live in their lives. Okay, so yeah. what it has done for us overall is very good, but because we are dealing with psychopharmacology reactions to the brain and stuff like that, yeah. there are going to be challenges. But it's okay. Like, God, I, dude, I was on my first set of meds. I'll tell you, I was, I was talking to my dad, and I'm, like, laughing and crying. And he's like, what are you – my dad's really great. He's old school. He's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I said, Dad, I don't know. I said, I have no logical – like, but I, like, I wasn't – we were laughing about it. It's like I wasn't sick. It was just – whatever was happening, it was trying to, like, end sometimes, you yeah. know? But now, like I said, in my life, man, I don't – I don't uh, drink. I don't do anything. I, That's good. you know, I, I live. I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm pursuing my dream of just, you know, comedy and, and and writing and stuff. And I'm also holding down a cool little job where it doesn't demand much work, and I get to be around pretty important people that are and see them, you know, and have a good time with them. Like not uh yeah. not jerks, you know, like not and uh and then uh you know I'm in school, and so good. I'm finding nourishment from all angles and I only would be able to do that had I embraced getting help embraced you know mental health counseling mental health therapy yeah. and uh and psychopharmacology you know and, and go through that struggle the reason I'm sitting here and I'm relatively when I tell you that yeah. I'm a happy person even when I know I think now I can like when I'm having a bad day I can literally look at myself and laugh you know I feel myself like pretty paranoid about some yeah. shit and then be like Oh, dude, that's totally you, dog. <laughs> that person's not doing that shit. You are. And then, like, yeah. but that awareness is only a possibility because of the stuff that I did that helped me. And if I could ever tell, I mean, guys, I went from being barricading, barricading myself in a Miami hotel room thinking people were coming in to get me to where I am now. And that's what can yeah. happen. It's yeah. like you say, go from being, you know, a lot of suicidal moments, a lot of struggles. Uh, but writing a book, trying to push, and that's if I could ever push a narrative for people is take yeah. that pain, take the stuff you're doing, and and use it, use it for good. And uh, and I'm glad you're getting the hell out of it, dude. The one thing I was so concerned about through the whole COVID thing was like everybody was sitting in these rooms and like 
we were, you know, everyone had the struggle of, should we open up? Should we not? And I said, my biggest worry is that people are almost forming their own islands. Yeah. And you're inside and there's no one there. And people need people, right? We need them. And we weren't getting them. And my thing was, I guess, I don't want anyone to put themselves in any physical um, harm that they don't need to. But also we needed to, we weren't thinking enough about the mental health repercussions that we came from it. We wasn't. And I'm, I'm glad that you, dude, I'm glad you met. And I'm, if I could ever tell you, if there's ever advice I could give you, if you were like, man, I'm not feeling good. I'm like, are you in your house? the fuck out of your house <laughs> <laughs> that's good because like that's go good. get your life that's, go get that yeah. stimulus you know it's it's i mean that's neurology man like yes. your brain activates with like actual physical stimulus right not the not the phone not yeah. social media that doesn't yes. do it <laughs> seeing people does it and when you activate yes. that you increase brain elasticity and you literally increase your ability to to just to be able to do everything a little bit better and yeah. That's why it's good to get out and get that vitamin D and get all that stuff that's out there, man. It's it's the smallest shit does the most, and like that's. I'm glad yeah. you got out of that damn mouth, man. That that's good. That's good. I want to say, say, you know, congratulations on everything you want. I know we got like ten minutes left because Instagram playing games. They be like, since I started doing my shows, like they put uh, countdowns on there or whatever. But I got two more questions. One from Paige. It says, okay. "What is dating like with PTSD and mental health?" And um, only thing I can say, like I can, I can answer it too. Um, it's a, a struggle because not everybody's gonna get your mental health problems. Um, I also have PTSD because you know the whole childhood trauma. My absolutely with that. Um, it's hard because you always in your mind, you always in your head thinking somebody against you, and it's like so hard. You really have to get somebody that understands you, that will fight for you, that that, that know that. You don't mean no harm sometimes. Cause sometimes you know you had these episodes. I had these episodes where I just go off or just think bad, and you know you just gotta have that support. You know, I, it's it's hard. Like people don't. Not everybody understands mental health problems, and it's hard. Yeah. You gotta get somebody that's gonna understand or at least try to understand. Somebody that's empathetic. You know. Just yeah, so and it's like our, your perception, and that's what I tell people is your perception as a person that that has this or is dealing with this is not. Like every, you know, what I mean, like everyone else. I was, I was like, thankfully, everyone else is probably more honest, centered. Yeah. You know, part of the struggle if you do have your your issues is that you have to learn to negotiate. Like, okay, this is more me. Like, this is mine is doing yeah. this, and that's probably not what. It, and like with me, I'll be honest with Paige. I haven't had a girlfriend like a steady to in almost twelve years. Right, uh -huh. but and I, but like, dude, sometimes I'm, but I, yeah, I'm still having sex. Right, and that's uh, <laughs> and what happens is, is I found like dude, I'm a great. She's still have a sex phase. I'm having. I'm a great friend. This is gonna sound terrible. I'm a great friend to have sex with. Okay, because I care about people, and I'll sit there and talk with you, and we'll have a great time because you know I'm a freak. But uh, when it comes to like I'm being emotionally romantic, I dude, I know that I'm not. And especially over the years, I've really learned to just become my own help sometimes. And that's not fair for somebody who is in a, in a relationship with yeah. you. So yeah. there are a lot of wonderful women in, around me in my life that would probably say, I that guy is one of my favorite people in the world, but I also want to fucking throw rocks at him because, like, they've tried to get in and I have this, you know. But uh, it's, it's – uh, 
Yeah. yeah it, I mean, I, it, for me, it's non-existent. I don't really, I have a lot of friends. I, 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 I shouldn't say a lot of friends. It made me sound like a whore. I've had a lot. I am lucky enough over the last few years to have some really, really fun times with some great women who I still am friends with uh, that I've gone to weddings for. You know, like I said, I'm the guy that if you want to have some fun with until you meet your husband and then just get rid of me and go to him, I'm fine with it. <laughs> then I know I can't. can't cause too much damage. Uh, but for me, it's, it's, hard. it's hard for me to become romantically involved with somebody because it's very polarizing. I'm either like way over the top or I don't have it at all. And I could like you. Like I could literally be like a person that I, as a human, I love my careful. I want the best for them. But when it like comes to romance, it's like something about me is still like scared for them. Yeah. Like, like, I don't think you really want this. You think you do, but you have no idea. So I think that there's like something still stored in my brain. That's like, Pace I keep them at a distance to help them. Pace says she has a wedding in June. See you there. Have a <laughs> wedding in June. See you there. Like what at the wedding? <laughs> but that's maybe something that's in there where you can work on. You don't see why you're not, you know, you know, therapy is good, man. I've heard everybody to get into therapy. Therapy is good. Um, it's real good. So we're done with the mental health. I think we got like five minutes left. Before, time, whatever the time will come up, I'll let you know. So let's talk the challenge. Did you get okay. a call back? Did you get a call for All Stars? Any of them? Nope. Wow. No, because Mark Long, I don't think he knows who I am. Even though we've met multiple times, yeah. like I think if you ask. I did. I was never in. This is what's really weird. I was friends with everybody I was on the shows with, but I was never in with the in crowd. Yeah, like I was never like with the with it. So I think after, and it might have been my fault too. Like after Cutthroat, I think I I'm pretty sure that I was very adamant on saying like, don't ever call me again. Like I, I I'm yes. done. This is the end of it. Like I'm done with it. I've done it. I, I don't want to. Call call after, you got a call after Cutthroat. Uh, I think one. Okay. But after my exit interview on Cutthroat, I literally said, okay, guys, I did what I needed to do. I came back and like, I just realized that like, I'll never, until I go back and really do some work on myself, I shouldn't be here. That was like my, you know, and yeah. I think, I, and they listened. I think they emailed me for uh, exes, the first battle of the exes. Oh. And I just didn't respond. And, uh, oh. but after that, man, they didn't call me. No one talks to me. I'm not like, like I said, I'm friends with like, I have my friends, you know, like Derek and yeah. and Abram and stuff like like I'm I'm in with the people, people. Yeah. Uh and I mean I thought that I was in with the, the producer, but uh there's also another producer that's involved that maybe doesn't like me because like I said, some of the bad things I did was yeah. This person was in the uh, line of fire for. I was about to so, say something. I was about to say something, never mind. <laughs> what's that? Protect, Go ahead, man. They protect who they want to protect. Because anytime Camilla can say what she say on TV and not get fired for it. They protect who they want to protect. And Dude, producing- Camilla, let me, do you guys understand that? Like, and I got to ask this because I was, I did a podcast one time and this person didn't even know this. You guys know Camilla's like Brazilian, right? Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Okay. Someone was like, oh, I thought she was from, I was like, no, she's from Brazil. And she comes from like, and, and the reason I say this is, and it's easy for me to say, you know, please, and this is a lesson. If she is willing to do things to help herself, like to get better, I always say give someone a second chance. Yeah. But 
You don't do it three months after. Like, that's my thing. It's like, if you show up a month or three months, I've changed. No, you haven't. You know, go do the fucking work. And then, but there's a lot of things about Camilla that drove me nuts. But there's a lot of things that were good too. I don't know how to like explain. You know, when you see someone and you're like, there is someone good there. Yeah. That There's just a lot of shit on top of it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, I, I mean, I could tell you this, and this is, this is hard for me to like, even cause you know, you look back on the things you've done wrong and man, I'm be honest with you. When I was a drunk and an angry person, there's times I said things I shouldn't have said. There's times yeah. that I projected my anger and hatred of myself onto, you know, different races, homosexuals, every, I, I've, I've ran the, the gauntlet of people who I blamed for my shit when I should have been blaming me. Yeah. And you know, what I said is I never believed it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I said things almost to sabotage myself almost, to, but I never really believed it. I've never in my heart of hearts. I've never been a person that's ever disliked someone for being different than me. I actually always liked that. And it's almost like there's this thing in the back of your head when you're mad at yourself. It's like, I'm going to be the worst fucking thing that I think I can be. Yeah. And I don't know how you, like, it's the mental illness. I don't know how we feel that that's going to be yeah. therapeutic or cathartic, but it really just makes you so ashamed of yourself. And it's like, when I look back at that stuff now, I'm like, it, dude, it gives me goosebumps. It makes my, like, spine tingle. It's one of the, one, the things that I just hate the most. So whenever I think of people like Cam Camila that's, like, said things like that, I, I'm like, in the back of my head, I'm like, were you doing that? Was that? And then you were just fucking silly enough to do it in front of the world. Well, like, well you talk about on TV because I hear I never heard nothing in the challenge world that you said that. But I was basically saying like you said the producer probably hates you for stuff. I'm like that's crazy that they pick and choose who. That's that's I just think that's crazy and stuff like that. I think that's crazy. I think that's not fair. Cause you know like Brandon that was on Cutthroat. That's my homeboy, right? That's my bro. I talked to him every day and stuff like that. And um, watching Cutthroat, I had to stop watching Cutthroat. I was like, because they kept throwing him in. I was like, I got to stop watching it. But they let people get away with certain stuff. You know, it's just crazy. I hope you do get a chance. Yeah, I hope you get a callback for the All-Stars. All-Stars. Um, I don't know if a lot of people want to go to the regular challenge and stuff like that. I like the regular challenge. You know, I don't watch it like that. But I think you should definitely get a My cousin watches the, the, the regular one now. And I haven't, I'll be honest with you, man, I haven't watched the challenge in okay. over a decade. <laughs> okay. um, it like, the, but I did watch, I should say this, I did watch one episode of like, I forget which one I watched, but it was not the same show that yeah, I remember. It's, it's, it's not. It's and I was kind of like, and then I just kind of was like, oh, well, good for them. It was one of those where I'm like, it's good hard. for them. It looked like it's, hard, it's it looked like it's real and hard. And I just like, went, up, but All Stars, the little bit I did see of All Stars, I was like, oh, okay, like this is. This is the like the what I remember, other than me being a dipshit, uh, the fun competitive like yeah drama's gonna happen, yeah. but it was very like to where that other one felt like they were like forcing it, yeah, and it so, was like dude they had the music to accompany it and shit and like, it's, it's in it. the end we're just, but it's I mean uh, no Brandon uh, is funny like, they they uh, they edited it out. You know how many, like, how the red team caught so much shit for what they did to him on all, all the time? And they would edit out, like, when they put him back in, dude, everyone would yell at him and they'd be like, why are you doing that to him? Like, this is bullshit. TJ I saw would that. turn I saw and be like, you all are some cowards. Yeah. You were like, I've <laughs> I never it. seen. Yeah. And, like, TJ, when he's had enough, will tell you. 
But this dude, I've never seen yeah. a fucking I was group. like, wow. I saw that on TV. I was like, wow. I said, oh, TJ. I said, I was, I was screaming to the TJ. Well, he said, I said, I know that's right, TJ. I was like, damn. Stop throwing that. Oh, TJ, if you do, if you're in a fucking challenge, you don't try your hardest and you're yeah. bitching about it, TJ will out you. He'll yell at you. Like, that's one thing I don't show enough on the show is TJ is very opinionated yeah. about, and I think it's funny because usually he's right on. It's like right when he says it, everyone's thinking that exact thing. And I know, like, production's like, don't say it, because, like, we want them to keep acting that way. You know, the viewers can see it. But TJ, man, that's bullshit. It'll just, and it's, that's one thing that I love about TJ. Oh, and he's like, it's great. Dang. He becomes so invested. I got less than 10 minutes, seconds left or whatever. Like, I just want to thank you for coming on. We're going to finish this conversation. I'm going to call you. We're going to finish this conversation and stuff like that, all right? Thank you for coming okay. on. All right, bro. Thank you. No problem, man. My pleasure. Anytime.